Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tempsby. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Later in the episode, we're going to talk to Pete Rogers, who you might know from Twitter. He has been designing really spectacular Celtics jerseys after every win. They're donuts themed, they're MBTA themed, they're creative, they're gorgeous. Um, so we're going to talk to him. He also is a big player in fantasy sports, so we'll talk to him about that. But that is all in the second half of the program and the lab portion of the program. Instead, as we like to do, we'll start with the news. Um, but for all of that, Alex, Justin, how are you? Doing okay. Just trying to land the plane at the end of the semester. Winter break is a mere four days away. And I for some of us. <laughs> I'm moving, and that's all I'm going to say. We all know how much fun that is. Yeah, I just got a new puppy, so I have a new personality, which is nice. Um, trying that one on for size, it's great. You'll see Ricky Bobby all over social media for hopefully the next 15 to 25 years. Who knows? Um, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll drop into the news, and then later again in the pod, we'll talk to Pete Rogers. Um, but first, before we talk about the current Celtics, let's talk about some former Celtics, specifically Paul Silas, who over the weekend passed away. Silas... Uh, most notably, perhaps, for Celtics fans, won three titles uh, in his career, two with Boston in 74 and 76. He's also all-NBA uh, defensive first team in 75 and an all-star in 75. So a huge contributor to uh, maybe an unsung era of Boston Celtics basketball, I guess is fair to say. Um, Dr. Quinn, uh, you've been really on this and doing some exciting work about um, remembering Paul Silas what should fans know and what are some fun things that you've uncovered in, in kind of eulogizing him? Well, I mean, it's never really fun is not a word uh, that I sure. would use to describe such a situation, but uh, looking back on his life, uh, giving the man some flowers that again, we really got to give these people their flowers while they're living. I like how you characterize that era um, under coach Tommy Heinsohn uh, in that capacity, as opposed to a player or a broadcaster And his second act as a Celtic was leading the team that Paul Silas won two of his three championships on. Uh, if you dig into his history and you should, uh, you can read some excellent articles about his trade from Phoenix and how he almost held out until Red Auerbach talked him into joining the team. Uh, and he has some interesting roots in Oakland. He went to the same high school as Bill Russell, uh, courtesy of friend of the pod, Honest Larry, digging that up, um, as did his cousin, Ruth Pointer of the Pointer Sisters. Uh, with a little bit of luck, uh, Celtics Wire will have something about that fairly soon, so keep an eye out for that. But, you know, beyond uh, Silas's career as a player, as a power forward, uh, one of the all-time, I think he is the all-time leading rebounder for Creighton, his alma mater. Uh, he also had a three-decade-plus coaching career uh, that he passed on to his son, who is now the coach of the Houston Rockets, uh, Stephen Silas. And he is widely was widely renowned, well, he is widely renowned, uh, around the league for all the people's lives he touched, including one LeBron James, who he was the first coach of. Uh, he was really a big, big figure in the NBA community, and we were all the worst for his passing. Yeah, uh, I really like that characterization, and um, maybe we're a little proactive about this because we're writing, you know, Celtics history stuff um, kind of on the daily and on the back burner, but it does stink that, you know, the most vaunted members of the Boston Celtics are getting old um, and we are not really celebrating them until uh, certain days pass. So I don't know. Um, 
Paul Silas, a uh, really important part of Boston Celtics history, and um, maybe some of his contemporaries who are still with us, we should celebrate a little bit more before we they end up being a little factoid at the beginning of a podcast kind of thing. Um, it feels a little reductive in a way. Uh, Alex, anything we missed? Sorry. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think JQ covered it pretty well, as he always tends to do with Celtics history stuff. Um, you know, the only thing I will say is I definitely agree with the sentiment that, you know, we do need to celebrate the living a little bit more while they are actually here than, uh, you know, continue to do these kind of uh, posthumous tributes as as nice as they are and yeah, as important as they are. Um, knowing that kind of there is another generation of Celtics greats that is getting up there in years and um, will likely be doing this again and again and again for the foreseeable future. It is important, uh, particularly now with COVID being the reality that it is um, to kind of do stuff like this. And so, you know, I think one of the nice things about working with you guys is that JQ is uh, becoming something of a Celtics historian and you can kind of regularly find his work on Celtics Wire and stuff like that. So um, if you're interested in celebrating the lives of these people while they are still alive, uh, Celtics Wire and Celtics Lab have got you covered. Also, CLNS NBA History Channel on YouTube. Make sure you check that, that out. It is loaded with great stuff. I don't know how we do this in a way that isn't morbid because, you know, like if you start giving someone their flowers because you don't want them to do be dead before you give them to them, it's almost yeah. like, yeah, we think we're, you're going to die soon. So it's a little, little fraught. Uh, we'll figure out how to, how to do that. But uh, as, as a general challenge to the Celtics community, let's find ways to do that. I mean, just like universally, we should, when you turn like 60, have a quinceanera or something like that, like a, a big party. Yeah. So it's like you get you get to be celebrated, but it's not like too close to the end necessarily. And just like, I don't know if, if anyone listening to this has clout in the culture. Um, but yeah, Paul Silas, uh, Michael Jordan called him an incredible motivator. Danny Ames said he was a wonderful human being. Uh, it's really clear how big an impact he had on the NBA community. Um, incidentally, his number 35 uh, was not retired by the Boston Celtics. Um, that number it's is not retired. Hall of Fame either. Uh, it could change. Um, but the number 35 is retired because of Reggie Lewis. Um, if anyone sees that number at the Garden anytime soon. Um, while we're plugging and promoting and whatnot, the music from the top of this podcast comes from Divine Sweater. They've got some new tunes coming your way in January and a few cool shows along the way. So check out Divine Sweater on social. Anyways, let's talk about the Boston Celtics, uh, the current Boston Celtics. And the news is good insofar as Rob Williams and Al Horford ought to be back soon. The news is less good and that the Boston Celtics uh, lost to the Warriors in kind of an ugly way. Um, and we're recording this a little bit before a game against the Clippers where they won't have Rob or Al Horford. I personally would be surprised if those two guys play against Los Angeles, but that remains to be seen. Before we get into that, let's pause the action. And talk about our friends over at Bet Online. You're a number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that reward. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. 
Well, we'll talk about Rob in a second. Um, Alex, I'll go to you first. Thoughts on the Warriors game? Thoughts on the Warriors game. Yeah, I had a few of them. Obviously, it's disappointing. It was a much hyped rematch between the two finalists from last year. And I think uh, myself and a lot of other Celtics fans were looking forward to the possibility of some revenge against the Golden State Warriors that will have to wait until they next meet up on Boston's home floor. You know, it's a little bit disappointing, um, both that they lost and really in the fashion that they lost it in, in which um, the Warriors blitzed Jason Tatum early and often on defense, completely took him out of rhythm. And then uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry did what they do and just got impossibly hot from deep. And there was basically nobody who could actually stop them. Um, I do think that we shouldn't put too much stock into it in particular because missing the two defensive linchpins in the front court of Al Horford and Rob Williams is incredibly significant, particularly for this matchup. Uh, One of the things that I think we saw in the finals last year and that we saw again this time around is that Kevon Looney really dominated the Celtics up front. He pushed around Blake Griffin, uh, Luke Cornett, Grant Williams, and kind of had his way with them. And uh, I think with Rob and Al back, that would be uh, hopefully a radically different proposition. I do want to give credit to the Warriors as well. Andrew Wiggins was out. Um, He was a really big part of their finals run last year, and uh, they are a much better team with Andrew Wiggins. That being said, um, I'm I'm not putting a tremendous amount of stock into this. It's a regular season game. The Celtics are still, I think, pretty clearly the best team in the league. This is not a good matchup for them, and Jason Tatum in particular has some work to do with regard to this matchup, but there's also reasons for optimism the play of Jalen Brown, the play of Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, you know, I think all things being equal, uh, I'm kind of ready to shrug this one off. It's it's disappointing, but the sky is not far from falling. Yeah, I wouldn't add too much more to that. The only thing that I would take away from this uh, is related to the Kevin Looney comment that you made in that if the Celtics do make a trade before the trade deadline, I would expect it to be to find a more competent, more mobile third big. Uh, Luke Cornett can do it in a lot of situations, but they do need a guy who can fit a little bit better for this kind of a matchup. Um, you, the Eclipse isn't doing it for you? Not in this context, no. Um, Alex, just because you teased it, um, Golden State comes to town on January 19th. That's the second, according to, uh, I'm just looking at the schedule on ESPN, those tickets are... Uh, $185 a pop to start. Yes. That's the second most expensive home game left on the calendar. The most expensive would be against Los Angeles where tickets are going for $203. Can you guys guess the third and fourth most expensive home games remaining according to this website I'm looking at right now? Uh, Los Angeles Lakers are going to be one of them. No, that was number one. That's, wow. that's the number one. Okay, okay good. That's the $203 okay. one. All right. Okay. So number three is Phoenix. And number four... The Memphis Grizzlies, the people who oh, want to see Jaw. I love John Morant. Hottest ticket in town. Yeah. Uh, Fourth. Uh, I'm going to try to go to those games because <laughs> it seemed like they're pretty good. Um, I shared my thoughts on that game uh, over on the How About Them Seas podcast. So if you want my take on that, go check out friends over at the How About Them Seas podcast because they were nice enough to have me on. Uh, Justin, you talked about it so we can pivot to that. December 15th marks the day where newly signed players can then be traded from their newly signed contracts for the season. So um, I think offhand it's like 60 to 70 new players are added to the 
would be possible to be traded pool. Um, do we think that that is going to radically change the calculus for the Boston Celtics in the near term, Justin? I highly doubt it. I mean, it could happen. Again, if somebody who is trying to brick for Vic is really trying to sell off and you know, a potentially important piece for Boston, something that could you know fulfill a need for several seasons to come, that kind of a player, maybe we might see a substantial trade, but I highly, highly doubt it. Like I was hinting at earlier, it's going to be a small salary guy with a small kind of impact who's only useful in a situation where you need a better matchup. Alex, uh, do you have anyone early on your radar that December 15th is important? You know, I, if you've heard a lot of names batted around your Jakob Pertles or your Yusuf Nurkic's, you know, these are guys that I think by and large would be out of the Celtics price range as currently kind of posited. Um, I don't see a whole lot there. I mean, maybe if like Mason Plumley shakes loose for cheap, something like that. But um, honestly, I think the more likely outcome is that the Celtics, if they're making any trades, would be looking to recoup some draft equity and then roll that over into future deadlines. Uh, I kind of doubt that they are going to be in a place to get a high impact player with the trade assets that they have. And I do think that there is something to the idea that the Celtics might want to consider with the roster that they have, if everybody is staying for the most part healthy, particularly when Alan Robb come back, I, I do think there's something to the idea that prioritizing future flexibility to kind of keep adding to this team as necessary in years to come is not the worst call. Yeah, my thoughts on the matter are thus. First, the Celtics, uh, after their two games in LA, will embark on a seven-game homestand. That's the longest of the season um, with some favorable matchups. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics really recapture those winning waves in a big way in the second half of December, such that the impetus to make a trade sooner rather than later just like wouldn't be there. Um, Justin, I, I am very inclined to agree that a mobile, more athletic, defensive-minded big uh, needs to be probably brought in as much as Blake Griffin is good for, uh, you know, the locker room and Luke Cornette is a hilarious player to root for. Um, I think the Warriors game, A, made it clear that Boston just like isn't as athletic down low without their two starting guys. But also the kind of parenthetical was their two starting big men are older or oft injured. Um, so, you know, you, you can't take anything for granted in the NBA. And I just don't think that you can take for granted that Horford and Robert Williams are going to play 95% of playoff games just because expect the unexpected in the NBA. Um, yep. I will say this for January because January and February are that's when you milk the, the trade buzz for clicks and listens. Um, I'm curious about what going all in looks like for the Celtics because they're pretty all in, but not the most all in we've seen teams with limited championship windows. So uh, I'm curious about maybe getting like hyper aggressive here, which is crazy to say about a team that's solidly 10 deep. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. Speaking of teases, yeah, Alex, you'll just have to wait. Um, speaking of teases, uh, hopefully this year we're bringing back our Festivus tradition. Um, so Alex, you can air a grievance for that take specifically if if you'd like and you're around. Um, so be on the lookout next week, hopefully on or around December 23rd. Uh, well, I don't know, pour a glass of bourbon and just blow off some steam. Um, but you can look forward to that in the not too distant future. In the near term, 
we are going to use the power of editing to pause the action and on the other side of probably not really a break at all. We'll talk to Pete Rogers, uh, the gentleman who you might know either from, you know, fantasy sports or from his, from his increasingly just amazing Celtics jerseys that he's been uh, animating and dropping. So we'll talk to Pete Rogers on the other side of a break. Okay. Let's hop into the Celtics lab, as we like to say, and we're going to welcome in Pete Rogers. You might know him from his jerseys that he's been designing on Twitter, which we will get into in a moment. You might also know him from Nerdball Fantasy Football or, or from being a twin dad, which I just learned as a twin myself. That's perhaps the thing I'm most excited about. So on the behalf of my twin sister and the Hayward twins, Pete Rogers, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, pleasure's all ours. Um, Love the jerseys. Uh, I want to ask you, first and foremost, you know, where did you come up with this? And um, how did you, you know, you've gained some notoriety. When did it become a little more than just like a pet project? And uh, off the jump, do you have a favorite one so far? Oh, the favorite one I should have. I'll think on that one. But yeah, yeah. So I have always been into graphic design. And it wasn't until the pandemic hit that I started channeling that into jersey design, um, just because I at that point happened to stumble upon a, a kind of old, eh, decent template uh, for Photoshop. And so that's what I was using. And so I mocked up some NBA jerseys, then I found some NFL templates. And so I redid the whole leagues. And then this year for this uh, season, I wanted to do something specifically Celtics related. I grew up outside of Boston, just moved to Minnesota, wanted something that would keep me in touch with the team and like paying attention since it is an 82 game season and you got to be committed in order to to stay up on what's going on. And actually the inspiration came from uh, Rita Oak, who's an artist who herself gained Twitter notoriety for drawing Jimmy G uh, every day until he gets traded. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so that. I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Like that, you know, it get, makes you work at that kind of creative bone, makes you do something different every day. And I was like, all right, well, I can't make a Jersey every day. That's way too much. But then I was like, all right, let's do every time the Celtics win, they get a new jersey. And I thought that was a great idea simply because, A, I mean, I didn't expect them to win this many games. But I thought there would be a, a good number of wins that we would do and, and thus would have to make good jerseys. And the Celtics feels like a team that people are always kind of hesitant to do really creative jerseys for because they are, it is such an iconic look and people don't really want to stray from that. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, if I have to do you know, 50 plus jerseys, I'm going to have to do some really wild ones and and we'll see what kind of people think about that and where it goes. And, and I hadn't, did not anticipate the kind of uh, public support that, that the series has garnered this quickly. Um, I, you know, I think I started with two ish thousand Twitter followers and now it's like almost 8,000 and that's all simply due to the jerseys uh, and just, they really have blown up and people have really shared their feelings about it, which is, and, and for the most part, they've all been really pro, which puts a little pressure on me because if I like this last Jersey, which hasn't come out yet, salts go win and let's, let's see it. But uh, uh, I, I kind of came to it with not really an idea, which I was worried about because it's only Jersey 22 and <laughs> got a lot more. If, and so, uh, but I think it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's definitely shifted away from like a pet project to something I'm doing on my own time to like something that, feels a part of like the Celtics community. And I'm, I'm, that makes it all the more enjoyable and all the more fun to do. Cool. You got a back to back coming up. You might need to come. I know I got to start, start putting them in the, uh, in the bank and having them to call. That's why I'm kind of sad that I didn't save my 
it was really easy to do the 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 like Boston other Boston teams inspired jerseys because it was just like oh make it look like the Patriots make it look like the Bruins and, you know make it look like the Red Sox yeah. the uh, the more creative ones or when you're kind of going from blank slate they're like all right I got to give myself a lot more a lot more head time before to get those in ready in order for us uh, Southern New England Celtics fans maybe a Whalers inspired jersey mm, I have heard of a couple of those and I'm I'm here for it I'll, that's definitely on my I have a whole bookmark my Twitter bookmarks are all just of of suggestions and so anytime I need one I'll like scroll through and be like okay I like this I like this the Whalers one is a popular one and I mean of course it's a gorgeous jersey so the OG ones are so it makes sense that it would look good as a basketball jersey the MBTA one was superb. I just have to Thank throw you. that out. That was like easily my favorite one. I would buy that in real life. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one, I actually, I was very happy with how that one uh, ultimately all came together. That one was a long one to do. There was an interesting comment uh, uh, when you posted it on Twitter. Someone someone added a special little detail of a particular uh, flame on one of the lines Uh Evidently, I, I've never ridden on the T as a Connecticut Yankee, uh, but now I really don't want to. Oh, yeah. The red line's dangerous. You take your life into your own hands when you jump on the red. Yeah. Uh, it's a charming little system we've got here, but it's certainly not efficient. <laughs> I wanted um, to have the green line under construction across the whole other side of the jersey since <laughs> they swear it's going to connect Boston to, should... to, to was... whatever, Somerville. I was going to say, you could have a green line extension jersey. It just never comes out. Just never. There you go. Perfect. Although it did, it, they did open it today. So, oh, there you go. Oh, wow. Good luck to the first riders. <laughs> yeah. um, Pete, you're up in Minnesota now. Before I swing things to Alex, I just have to ask uh, A, have you become a Timberwolves fan? And B, what do you think of the Timberwolves jerseys? So, I'll start with B. The T Wolves jerseys, I mean, those OG ones are just gorgeous, untouchable. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually, I really like elements of their new, I think it's the city one, the Northern Lights one that they yeah. did. I like those the elements of that. I think there's still kind of a better way to do it. In fact, I actually mocked a Northern Lights one way back when that I, um, not not to say that mine is better, but I, I like that one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the but the Northern Lights, I like. I think that that is a really obvious inspiration that they can really start drawing from. And and similarly that the way that the I mean, the Heat did too much of it, but yeah. Miami Vice, the Heat found that vibe and was like, all right, we're going to make 15 jerseys from that. I think the Timberwolves, there's so many iconic colors from the Northern Lights that you can do gradients, you can do cool text colors, like you can just do a whole bunch of different ideas that are all stemming from the Northern Lights. So I'm glad that they've like dipped their toe into that pool, and I hope they continue with that. Um, T-Wolves had a Prince-inspired jersey a while yeah, that was back. Great. That, was, that was nice, too. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, they need to bring that one back. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's – it's why I'm also like their city ones – I guess it was a statement was because the city one, the the colored lines. Yeah. The idea is great. Like, I know the murals that they're drawing from, and it's a really cool idea. The execution was way off. Um, especially since they did such a good Prince one, like you're kind of hoping that they were able to maybe be a little bit better of channeling the creativity, but. Well, now, that, you, now that you're talking about, you know, natural phenomenons in terms of uh, Jersey design, maybe Boston could get a Nor'easter one. It'd just be like <laughs> dark and dark and gray. <laughs> just dark and gray. You can't see anything. And it's just kind of a pain. It's annoying mm-hmm. to have on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wet. Just, yeah, it just comes soaking wet for you. That's that's what you pay extra for the true nor'easter experience. Lovely. I'm so happy that it's the beginning of winter and not the end. All right, yeah. um, Alex, 
uh, as promised, you're in charge of the ship. Go ahead, steer away. All right. So um, first off, again, thank you for being here, Pete. Um, so I do have a vested interest in you being on here. Uh, I'll be fully transparent in saying that. And uh, that is that I have uh, recently come into some luck. I've secured a buy for my mm -hmm. fantasy football playoffs. And you are something of a fantasy football expert. So we're going to break down a little bit of that in the pod as well. In addition to your impressive jerseys, you, you have an area of expertise here and we want to get that on record. So let's start with this. Um, how's your season gone? It's been pretty good. So my home league, I am currently tops in that league. Um, I had survived. I've survived my absolute miss on Kyle Pitts, which is devastating. It really, I <laughs> was so high on, high on him last year and he more or less paid off. And then I was like, okay, the only way he can go is up as soon as he has positive touchdown regression. Uh, did not think that he could get any worse, but he did. Um, so sur have survived that. Um, and, uh, and currently that's the league I care the most about. I'm also in a, a dynasty league, which I halfway through decided to do a full rebuild, but then I've won four games in a row. So my rebuild is kind of taking a hit. Uh, but, uh, but yes, so the, the home league though, sitting good, feeling good. So let's stick with the home league team MVP. And you've already mentioned what appears to be your biggest bust in Kyle Pitts, but let's go team MVP. Team MVP. Probably. I was very happy. I snagged Christian McCaffrey. I had the one Oh two. So I got Christian McCaffrey, um, which has been a delight. Stefan Diggs has been a delight. Um, I think the biggest one for me though, is pro mostly because he was a waiver uh, target. And I always like to, to have, have success when I hit the waiver wire. And that was Justin Fields uh, mm. snagged him, snagged him before he went absolutely uh, lights out. And so have been riding that way for, for a little bit. And that's been uh, wonderful. Been carrying the team. So Any I good have... trades that you pulled off? Uh, oh, yeah. I managed managed to snag both Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne before they took over their backfields. Uh, and Kenneth Walker, I kind of, that one I went out a little bit on a limb on. Not, I mean, it's easy to say in retrospect, like, oh, it was clear and obvious hit. I didn't quite have the confidence that with Pete Carroll running the show that he was going to be like the unquestioned bell cow in Seattle. Uh, you never really know what's going on there, but that has paid, paid dividends. And then ATN, I was just like, all right, this guy is so good. He played with Trevor Lawrence. I just didn't, did not think that there was a way for him to miss. Um, and he hit for three weeks and now he's kind of missing. So eh, that one's iffy. JQ, you got a question? Yeah. Uh, do you play NBA like basketball? I do. I do. I have a league um, with a dynasty league with some friends of mine. And I will say that we, the way we structured this league is it's, there's no bench. So you just, it's your lineup and you just are playing the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I don't really check it that much, <laughs> which is never good because I, I will check it after a couple of weeks. And I realize that half my team is injured. Um, but the, the shining star on that one is that when I joined the league, I joined in for a, for the guy who had lost everything. So he got, I had the one one and it was the year that Luca was a rookie. So oh, nice. I'm sitting pretty with Luca and that's basically care. That's my team. Any Celtics on it? Uh, I got Derek white. Nice. Yeah. He was snagged him off waivers. And I think, do I have anyone else? I think that might be it. My brother is also in this league and he, uh, he has, uh, he has Tatum and that's, Oh yeah, that's that's, that's been, a big. That's been very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad for a dynasty league. Yeah, that's a that's a good player to, to be holding on to. 
Yeah. Swinging back to the football realm for a second, you have a preferred app between ESPN, Yahoo, Sleeper, or something else? Sleeper. Uh, yeah. I was on ESPN. We did that for a while, my home league, and then we switched over to Sleeper. And I, my wife gets kind of annoyed with it. She finds it not as intuitive as as other platforms. But I, I think that the the uh, options that they offer is just unparalleled. And and the customized scoring, the amount of customized scoring you can do, uh, I really love. We have all kinds of wild, forty plus yard touchdowns are worth basically another touchdown in our league, and so all kinds of like fun stats like that where it's not only just that you want you know not only want good players but also like truly explosive guys can suddenly just put up ridiculous games fascinating scoring system so uh let's move on to the most important topic uh which is my team so um i have a buy this week which is great uh one of two teams in a buy but i'm wondering from your perspective as an advanced strategic mind of the game of fantasy football what do i need to do in my bye week even though my team is not playing to ensure that i will be the one winning the big pot of money at the end of the season so the only thing you can do is just relentlessly shit talk everyone else in your league to making mistakes that's yeah. all you do is you just constantly pester everyone you make them second guess every decision that they make during this and then you're sitting pretty because by the time you're actually playing with them, they're so rattled. They don't even know how to set a lineup. It's a really good plan. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's, I don't, that's I don't what know if it translates, but there's somebody in my league who just makes ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous trade requests constantly. Yeah. Kind of a corollary. Yeah. Yeah. Or the one, there's a guy in my home league who will just basically like in the 24 hours leading up to, to Sunday, he will just add and drop like, 20 different players and so all you're getting notifications like this person added and dropped this person this person added and dropped this person this person added and dropped this person and you're just like all right i can't tell if you just like are wildly incompetent you like don't know who to start or you're just messing with all of us and you're clearly just like having fun adding people off waivers good to know all right uh we got a couple more fantasy football questions and then we'll wrap this up um in your opinion, so you're a big, I, I looked at your Twitter page a little bit before this, and uh, it seems like you're a big stats analysis data guy when it comes to fantasy football, which is very important for how uh, winning works. And definitely, you know, that, like that's a crucial part of this. So in your mind, what are the most important stats or data points to keep track of when it comes to making fantasy football decisions? So this is, this is the, the whole kind of idea behind uh, Nerdball, which is which is the site. So I created it with a friend of mine. Um, we both were working at SB Nation, and we left to to kind of start this site. And the idea being to really basically bring the kind of like high level analytics that baseball went through to fantasy football. And so we we have our own stats stats that we track and create. Um, but the ones that I really like, and I'll talk about those just to my own horn. But the ones I really like are target share and opportunity share. Uh, target share for wide receivers and tight ends. You can do that for running backs as well. And then opportunity share, we track it as at different sites will track kind of have different definitions in terms of what their opportunity share is. For us, we do running uh, teams running back uh, attempts and targets. So it's the opportunity that the running back gets. And like for both of those, the thing that I like most about those, this is just, you know, it boils down to if you're on the field, with high opportunity, you're more than likely to produce something. Um, and so if you have a high target share, you're more than likely to do something. If you have a high opportunity share for running back, you're more than likely to do something. And it's a really easy way to put a number to like kind of the work, especially in the backfield. So like people will say like, uh, we're worried about Damian Pierce not being a workhorse back for the Texans, but you can point to like, well, he's had 70% 
of the opportunity share in Houston. So he is like, you, you can worry about other running backs or whatever. And it's another thing too, where you can think about like, you know, if there's a running back, for instance, like Kansas city's backfield is kind of a hot mess right now. Uh, Clyde Edwards Lair had it locked down. And then um, Isaiah Pachanko kind of came in for that and was starting. And now Jarek McKinnon is coming in and doing some work there. And so the opportunity share there is, is really dispersed. However, so then what you're looking for is players who will take the most out of the opportunities they get. And for us, we track what we call per rating, which is based off of per 36 for base uh, for basketball, which is the idea of fantasy points per uh, stat. So for quarterbacks, it's fantasy, fantasy points per attempt, fantasy points for run uh, touch for running backs, and then for tight ends and for wide receivers, fantasy point per target. Um, and so you get a sense of that. So like, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who I just wrote a waiver wire column today. He was my top guy. Uh, Jarek McKinnon has averaging 0.9 fancy points per touch, which is top 10 among running backs this season. And so as his target share has started to increase in recent weeks, his opportunity share has increased in di- recent weeks. He's extremely efficient with the opportunities that he gets. And that's going to lead you to what we saw last week, which is a big touchdown, a big uh, fantasy performance. So using those kinds of stats and data, I really, it helps you, especially per, it allows you to see players who like, if they had a larger role, what could they actually be producing? And it lets you kind of take advantage of that on the waiver wire, finding guys who, you know, maybe aren't getting a huge opportunity right now, but due to injury or due to just the depth chart or however things are working, you're suddenly getting guys um, really balling out and uh, and going to give you big uh, scoring outputs. So what you're saying is Ty should drop Michael Carter and pick up a second defense and keep them, among other things. Yes, okay. totally. <laughs> Good to know. I uh, got one more fantasy football question for you. So, um, if you, you know, there's a few people who are listening to this podcast, and I, w- I would gather that a handful of them also have fantasy football teams. As the expert, what, if any, essential advice would you give to fantasy football players on how to win their leagues? At this point, I don't know if there's much that I can offer. Your trade deadline is probably uh, already passed. Waivers are pretty picked pretty thin. At the beginning of the year, though, this is actually an advice that uh, one of the guys from my site says a lot, which I really like and I've taken to heart, is that as soon as the draft is over, don't worry about draft value. So if you drafted a guy in the first round and like that was your guy and it's just not working out, there's no harm in moving on from him. You know, mm-hmm. trade him, drop him, whatever it needs to be. If you hold on to a player for too long, it's going to sink your team. It's going to sink your season. And so if you think that like, so for instance, I drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the third round this year. And I was like, oh, this is a lock. Zeke has never finished anything less than an RB1. I'm a freaking genius. Let's knock this out of the park. It didn't come to fruition. Zeke has not been that running back this year. And I probably moved on from him a little too late, but still I was like, I think it was like week four or week five, I traded him. Um, And so not worrying about draft capital and being like, okay, let me reevaluate my lineup. And and then that's also too, is like never being complacent with the roster that you have. So even if you're winning your league by a huge margin, Go attack the waiver wire. Go be super aggressive. Go get those guys. Like, you know, when I regret this, when Christian Watson broke out and was on waivers and could have gotten for cheap, I didn't get him because I was like, ah, is he actually going to really stick? Is this really, is he going to be averaging 20 points a game? He is. Um, yes. <laughs> and do I need the wide receiver help? Uh, you know, whatever. And so 
I should have gotten him. Like I should have been like, yes, I'm going to burn all my fab to get him and let's get Christian Watson on this team. So I think it's always just like being able to, from a week to week basis, because that's what fantasy is week to week, reevaluate your team, be aggressive with your waiver, waiver moves, be aggressive with trades. And if there are people who you think like are going to hit big, go get them. It's all about enjoying yourself and building a team that you have fun rooting for. And sometimes it hits, you know, I went out and got Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne and it worked awesome for the first three weeks. And now Kenneth Walker's injured. Travis Etienne hasn't had a good game in four weeks, but you know, (laughs) I got through those three weeks. I looked really good. Yeah. You played the game. All right. Well, to any fantasy football interested listeners, uh, this episode is for you, Pete. Thank you so very much. Of course. Always happy to talk football. Always happy to talk any sports. Pete, I have a few more Jersey questions if you have a few more moments. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just going through them uh, because I don't play fantasy football. So that one, that bit was for me. I I think my favorites are the marathon one and maybe the Boston Globe one. Do you have one that uh, is a favorite right now? You did ask me this and I should have this on the top of my head. All right. I think so the globe was the first one that really in my mind went to a lesser extent viral. Um, That one was the first one where I was like, Oh, people are like, this is really taking off. People are really liking this. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. That was the one that kind of like, you didn't get a cease and desist from the globe. I didn't get a cease and desist (laughs) from the globe. In fact, I had multiple globe staffers retweeting it. So I was like, all right, got the seal of approval on that one. On balance. Are you going to do the Herald? <laughs> I probably should. I mean, by by when fifty five, I'm gonna be so out of ideas. I'll be doing whatever I possibly can. Well, um, Pete, this Friday is the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, and ooh. the Boston Celtics play the Orlando Magic. Ooh, um, well, that, that that is just. I'm a history teacher. I had right to. There. I had to do it. That's um, perfect. I love it. That is. Yeah, come, that back, is done. come back to this. Well, baby, this is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have any you other have favorites, favorites or like? ideas you want to workshop or anything else i i really like i mean the marathon one i've done different iterations of that one and i think this one turned out really well um Mm -hmm. that one i just found i think it was the uh a picture of either the finish line or just maybe it might have been just the marathon logo spray painted on the ground and that was kind of like all the pieces that i drew from for that and it just i think it worked really clean i also am a sucker for any kind of like baby blue um, well, a fun fact, the Celtics were almost named the Boston Unicorns um, oh, in tribute to the BAA. There you go. Well, oh man, now I'm going to have to make a unicorn jersey. I told you, uh, baby, come come on back. I'm, this is an ed- <laughs> I'm going to be te- tweeting you at, uh, tweeting at you constantly for ideas. Sure. Uh, the two, I think the two most recent that I really liked how they turned out were the Bruins Celtics one. I think that yeah. one turned out really clean. And then I'm a, I'm surprised people liked it as much as they did because it feels totally out of left field. But the kind of like Hawaiian uh, clover print one that I did sure. with, with the kind of neon Celtics, uh, I just I'm I love Hawaiian and I feel like that kind of it has that kind of vibe for me. But I was I was surprised at how well received it was by people. That one I think is has a special place in my heart. I'm also a sucker for like jerseys that don't necessarily i don't think they would necessarily look great on the court but it's more just kind of a fashion piece and that one that one screams that to me i don't really know if you've had shorts also with that pattern on it it would look good i think it would look pretty awful um but it's like like the power clash like it's so yeah it's the clashing is dashing situation yeah but uh that one uh, i think there's a cream uh embargo that one yeah 
No, but there's an embargo on them in the league because, and this is just gives me an extra reason to hate the Encore ads that they are projecting on through like green screen technology. Evidently, that's the color oh. they set it to, which is why those Cream City Bucks jerseys went away. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good I, little factoid. I didn't know. Yeah, that. I found that out right after actually I, I made that one because I also that one I was also like, oh, this is it's really nice. Pretty proud, pretty proud of that one turned out. And then I was like, oh, they can't do that. That's that's dumb. <laughs> All right, well. Pete, we took a ton of your time. We also are talking about a visual medium on a podcast. So let's pause the action and let people find you on Twitter. Um, is it Peter or Pete M. Rogers? Uh, at Pete M. Rogers, yeah. At Pete M. Rogers. Um, go check them out if you haven't already. Um, I think Celtics Wire's written about it. I think a bunch of people have picked it up because it's just like a really fun thing in the Celtics Zeitgeist this season. Um, for fantasy nerds, uh, go check out Nerdball, um, fantasy football, and maybe, who knows, maybe it'll be a Nerdball fantasy Celtics uh podcast with you and alex someday um otherwise pete pleasures all on the side of the screen thank you so much i appreciate it guys thanks for reaching out and um thanks to all the listeners we'll catch you later as if the mccrispy couldn't get any better bacon and ranch just entered the chat the bacon ranch mccrispy Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.